0: Back from the Abyss, I'm Dr. Craig Eacock. Well, we've reached the end of season three, and I'm sitting across from my main man, my co-conspirator, my podcast, Passion Project dude, Chris Johnson. Hello. Yeah, good to be here. Good to be here. And this is Fishbowl. And for those of you who don't know what Fishbowl is, uh, a brief history lesson, when I was at Brown in residency, when we learned group therapy, we would take a break halfway through the group therapy session and the group therapist would go in the middle of the circle all the patients would move outside and then we would have an in-depth discussion about what was happening with the patients what they were talking about what they weren't what they were avoiding what dynamics were happening and it was sort of a way for the group members to see the inner workings of our therapeutic musings so this is fishbowl this is chris and i uh going over season three and all things back from the abyss and I think this fishbowl is going to be a little more intense because we, I'll, I'll talk about this in a few minutes. Last week, Chris and I were having a very intense, interesting, passionate discussion about the Sage episode, the last episode. And if you haven't listened to the Saj episode, turn this off right, right now and listen because it's a must listen. First of all, it's super interesting and this fishbowl will be infinitely more interesting if you listen. Uh, basic structure today is that Uh, Chris and I are going to talk about the listener poll, some very interesting uh, things we learned from you listeners. Thank you all all of you who participated. And we're going to also mention some of the best listener ideas for season four, and there were so many. Wow, I have I think three and a half single space pages of ideas from listeners. Chris and I are going to talk a little bit more about what we'd like to see in season four. We're going to make Uh, special chef sampler recommendations. Now that we've published 69 episodes, we're going to each give uh, our special chef's uh, suggestion because, hey, it looks like we have a lot of new listeners, and for new listeners, we want to point out maybe some older episodes that are real oldies but goodies that you might like. And then we will uh, talk about Saj and that episode and all the issues that came up. But first, let's let's talk about the poll. Um, In Short, the listeners, at least everyone who responded, two-thirds women.
1: Hey, uh, Craig, that, how many people did respond?
0: We had 148 people respond. Cool. Yeah, which is really cool. And so of the 148 people who responded, two-thirds are women. 30% are in our age group, 50-59. Yeah. The next most popular age group was uh, 40-49. to Most popular occupation, almost 15% of listeners are master's-level therapists. We had uh, people from almost every state answer. The the most common, uh, the the most responses came from Colorado with California in second. 22 countries we had people respond. How did people find back from the abyss? Most people, the most common one was they heard me on another podcast. So I hope that was on one of the podcasts where I sounded uh, reasonable and... um, coherent not like one of the early ones like three years ago where i was so nervous i sounded like i was on meth yeah um you should be on more podcasts i should be on more podcasts uh and then oh this was really interesting in or in response to what uh describes why you best listen to back from the abyss the most common response 61 percent. i have or i've had my own mental health issues and then the second most popular was 51% of you said, I'm interested in psychedelics. And I'm not going to go through all these, but there were 136 responses to what do you get from listening to back from the abyss. And these were so kind and awesome. And people said really beautiful things about the music and the structure and the editing and the subjects and the openness and the vulnerability. And um, this is such, this is such a really a thank you card. And, I look at this list sometimes; it makes me so happy.
1: Yeah, yeah. I, I just have to say, it's incredibly rewarding to to get this kind of feedback.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, all but one of you love Chris's music, and one person said <laughs> said the music is harsh.
1: <laughs> you know, er, yeah. Early on, it, I suppose it depends on what episode you listen to.
0: Yeah. I think it, it in season 1. But this is fun. Um I was Venmo'ing Chris the other day and I sent him some money and the reason was for harsh music. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh and then um this was really gosh, this was almost as heartwarming as anything that people said. What is your favorite back from the Abyss episode? So we put out almost 70 episodes and I think 46 of them got mentioned as a favorite and that was so amazing. And, um, even I think four of you put fishbowl as one of your favorites. (laughs) Yeah. I like the fishbowl episodes. I know. I like the fishbowl. So, and hopefully this will be the best fishbowl yet. So that was really interesting. Um, and then another issue that brought up was a lot of people love the psychedelic episodes. Those were probably some of the most mentioned. Um, but some of the least listened to least downloaded episodes are my um mini episodes where I just pontificate on something and those actually got some love too and I got emails about that so it's really happy to see that we're doing different kinds of things and some listeners are responding to each type
1: yeah I, that's good i think that's good mm-hmm. as a generalist i appreciate that
0: yeah but something deep was revealed chris
1: well, you didn't mention the gender. What was the what What was the most popular gender? It's two thirds women. Two thirds yeah. women. So so let me just get this straight. Mm-hmm. The age was fifty to fifty nine.
0: That was the most common age group. Yes.
1: Um. The most common gender was female. Mm-hmm. The most common or a place where people are is Colorado. Mm-hmm. And um, occupation: masters level therapist. Maybe.
0: Yes, yes. almost fifteen percent of listeners.
1: So Craig. We thought we were going to go out and do our own little project for the good of the world, but really it sounds like we're doing it for our wives as they are in that exact demographic, aren't they?
0: (laughs) That would be true. Rachel, your wife, Elizabeth, my wife, are 50 to 59 women in Colorado, master's level therapists. So really this is like, and this is our unconscious acting. All these hundreds and hundreds of hours was not, actually to put something beautiful out into the world it was to try to reach out to our spouses what do you know i don't know if it's working
1: (laughs) i don't i i don't know if it's working either i hope it is
0: i don't know because my wife has said i think you're having an affair with the podcast but now i should say no (laughs) i'm actually having an affair with you through the podcast oh there you go this is an act of love
1: and we have data to back it up (laughs) (laughs)
0: oh man that's great So we had, again, pages of ideas of season four topics, and this was amazing. And and not only would people list topics, but oftentimes long explanations of why these topics were personally meaningful or even giving us ideas on how we would approach them. uh, Thank you, all all you who put that. But Chris, why don't you start? Where were some of your favorite uh, listener ideas for season four?
1: Well, I'm going to admit right off the bat that I picked topics based on producing the show, what would be good for the show in terms of topics that are current and important in the, in the time and place that we are, and also because they're of interest personally to me. So I'll, I'll just put that up there. Um, I thought that something on abortion would be interesting. Um, and timely. I thought that the suggestion of talking about misdiagnosis and commonly seen seen mistakes would be um, interesting for especially the professional uh, therapists that listen. Autism is a topic that I'm interested in. Schizophrenia deep dive, especially as it relates to adult onset and family issues and how to get treatment for older uh, folks. Anxiety has been one that um, I've been interested in for a while. Grief, I think, is a pretty universal topic. And I really like the idea of talking about MDMA um, in couples work.
0: Mm, I like that too. Is that it?
1: Oh, uh, one that I didn't know about, we were talking about before we went on, uh, started recording here is uh, psychosomatic dermatology. Mm, I like that. And so for people like me who didn't know what it means, can you sort of expand on that just a little bit?
0: Yeah, this is the idea that the skin is deeply tied in with the psyche and our mental emotional well-being. So there's lots of uh, psychiatric syndromes, psychological syndromes that are at least partially expressed through through the skin. Interesting. So, yeah, I like that one. Um, some of my favorites, um, well, at the top of the list, I wrote four that I want to do. <laughs> I'll just say those. Uh, I want to do a mini episode deep dive on the nosology of suicidality, which is sort of sort of like I did an episode how to think about depression, how to think about anxiety. I'm going to do one on how to think about suicidality. Which actually may sound sort of grim and dark, but it actually I think is very interesting when you parse out all the different sort of strands that go into that kind of hopelessness. Um, I'm also deeply interested in who develops PTSD and who doesn't. I'm going to do a mini episode on that. And then we've been getting lots of people who want me to talk more about ADD, ADHD, both differential diagnosis. You know, how do you differentiate differentiate from anxiety and sleep issues, and also just treatment because. Uh, There's a lot of important issues around treatment. So those are things we're going to do. You know, there were a lot of requests for psychedelic topics. And you and I have talked a lot about this, Chris, that the most popular episodes are psychedelic episodes. I'd say the majority of people who reach out to me to do stories, want to do psychedelic stuff. I'm deeply interested in psychedelic stuff. But you know, this is not back from the abyss psychedelics and stories. You know, This is psychiatry and stories. So right. I want to keep it broader. So here's some of the things that people suggested. I love these. So um, one was to have a teen and parent come on and talk about the issues between them. And I think I have a really great one lined up. Oh, I love that. Yeah. Um, I, I love MDMA couples work. I want to try to find someone. We've had a number of people ask about DBT, uh, dialectical be- behavioral therapy, I'm trying to do a deep dive on that. I've had a few people ask about IFS, internal family systems, which I'm very interested in. And also some people said, could we look at IFS in psychedelic work, which I think is also cool. A number of you wanted to know about burnout, especially with um, healthcare workers and therapists, because a lot of you are, there are therapists. And you know I, too, have really struggled at times with burnout. And so I think I would like to bring on someone to talk about that. Um, some people have asked for another in-session recording, like I did with the Del- like the Delta Flight Attendant. That was really stressful. That was really... I Maybe I'll do one. Um, I'm going to have to do, uh, yeah, some real kind of Zen meditation <laughs> if I'm going to do that again. Um, this shouldn't bring you more stress. No, I don't. Yeah, right. Oh, I really want to do an episode on When a Loved One re- Refuses Treatment. A few people have asked about that. Yeah,
1: I like that one yeah, too. Yeah, and
0: I like like you, Chris. I really like the schizophrenia deep dive. Um, misdiagnosis. This is a good one too. Someone suggested uh, look at Im- looking at imposter syndrome and mental illness. So many people feel undeserving of care because they're not ill enough because other people are suffering enough. And I, that is such a common phenomenon. And depression and hormones. A number of people have asked me about that. So oh, yeah. that's a good,
1: that's a good one. Too. Like
0: literally that was one fourth of the list. So
1: they're, the reality is they're all fantastic. Suggestions. Yeah, Yeah. you know, I, I again, just pick the ones that I personally would like to hear you talk about or have our guests talk about. So Mm -hmm. if your if your suggestion wasn't mentioned, it's not because it's not a good idea.
0: It's also fun to look at the list because you you and I had envisioned originally that this would just be stories. This would be like The Moth or This American Life meets psychiatry, and then. We started figuring out, like, maybe we should try some other things. So I did some of the mini-episodes with just me talking, and then we started, in Season 2, having some experts on where I sit down with them, and that was fun. Yeah. So I really like that we do a little bit of everything, that we keep the stories kind of front and center, but it was fun to see these uh, listener suggestions that they encompassed kind of all the different things that we're doing. I agree. let's segue into Chris, you and I sharing some chef sampler plates. I was just at this wonderful restaurant in Denver recently, and there were so many things on the menu. I just thought, I don't even know. And the couple we were with, they said, Oh, let the chef pick. I thought that's a little scary. they said, Oh no, no, the chefs know, you know, cause I would have just ordered the things I knew like pot thai or something. But right. So these various dishes came out, none of which I would have ever ordered on my own. And it was amazing. So, you know, in the listener poll, we saw that 30% of the listeners have listened to all the episodes, which, again, I know there's um, there's selection bias there because the biggest fans. But I also saw that a lot of the listeners had only listened to a few. And looking at the download numbers over the last few weeks, we have a ton of new listeners. So I thought it'd be fun, Chris, you and I each came up with kind of a sampler plate. If we were at the Back from the Abyss uh, farm-to-table restaurant, and people show up like, give me give me your best episodes, your most interesting, like what speaks to you. And I have no idea what you're going to say. And so you prepared something that I did too.
1: Yeah. And we did it slightly differently. I think Mm -hmm. I, I have a, maybe a, um, a house specials, what we're known for as my primary sample platter. And then I also have a more dark, a darker set of episodes for
0: folks. Do we have dark episodes? I
1: suppose it depends on your tolerance <laughs> for for things, for emotions <laughs> and whatnot. But I would uh, there are some that I think probably take a little more to listen to, mm-hmm. and n- require you. Or it's probably good that you're in the right state of mind to listen to, mm-hmm. just because they're heavy topics about important things.
0: Okay, so let's let's hear it. Okay.
1: So, the house specials I have one of my favorite episodes, probably of all of them was done this season. It's psychotherapy twice told. Mm. It's just a recent episode. Love, love that i The reason that I picked it is that I found it so amazing and beautiful to hear the relationship between the therapist and the client. Told from each of their own perspectives and how closely it aligned. So I liked the format of the story and I loved the relationship that was revealed and what it meant to each of those participants in their own worlds.
0: Yeah. And you did such an amazing job editing that. That was a big, when I gave gave you the two recordings, I said, are you ready? I, <laughs> I did not. I, I did, did not
1: pick it for that reason. Yeah. I I did. I listened to it with my wife on a road trip recently. Um, I said, you know, we should listen to this because I was I was really proud of the way it turned out, and also I thought it would mean a lot to her as a therapist to hear how much her work affects her clients. Also, mm-hmm. so not that she doesn't know that, but um, to me it's just it's just I love it. The reveal there. So that was the first one. The second one um, I picked was MDMA and the inner healer. I think that I like this one because I I thought the story was very compelling. And I'm I just think the uh, use and the potential benefits of MDMA is and I I love the studies that are going on and the fact that it seems like there's some real good evidence that it's a medicine that's going to be
0: a huge help for a lot of people that have suffered. Mm -hmm. So I remember, Chris, when you did the music for that episode, I remember where I was standing when I listened to it because I sent you the the draft just you know without music and i was it was in winter park i was getting ready to go cross country skiing and i listened to the music you added to that episode it totally brought tears to my eyes right. and i called you and said oh my god this is perfect like the the music was i think just...
1: i think it brought tears to my eyes you know it's interesting you, the just the weight of some of these stories and the courage it takes to tell them is you know it's astounding really i think and the third one I picked is an episode that we called "When a Tree Falls Twice," and the reason I picked this episode was again it was a it was a good s- story. I liked the way the story was told, but I also really liked the way that you were doing voiceovers during this period of time in in, a, in the show. And we haven't been doing that as much. I think it's just a personal preference of mine. I I enjoy the breaks and then having you come in and fill in some of the blanks as the story unfolds. To me that's really compelling and interesting. So I I I thought it was a I think that's an episode that's a good combination of your insight and a good story too. Thank you. So, those that what about you?
0: Okay, I had um Four dishes. Four dishes? Yeah, four dishes. So I have an appetizer, mm-hmm. two mains, and a dessert. Oh. And again, in the spirit of trying to pick four dishes, which maybe wouldn't be things that people would initially choose, but I thought were very special. Okay. Uh, the appetizer is an episode that I didn't know. I was actually very scared to release this, but uh, it was almost everything about psych meds in under 16 minutes. hmm and uh, it's quick and dirty, but there's a lot of wisdom in there. And um, that's actually gotten a lot of love. And um, I've gotten a number of medical people that have reached out. But the, re- the reason I did it as an appetizer, it's not a story, but it's very me in that I think one of my best strengths as a physician, as, as a thinker, is I'm, I'm a good synthesizer and I'm able to quickly sort of sort out what's important, what's not. Yeah. So I, I think that's a good introduction to kind of how I think, not just me personally, but the podcast in general. The two main dishes are two of the heaviest episodes. Um, they're true abyss episodes, uh, but they just, uh were just so moving to record both of them. There were lots of tears as I was recording them. The first one is um, Where Did Our Son Go? Yeah, it's Where Did Our Son Go? A family looks at schizophrenia. That was from this season. And that was with the parents of a longtime patient of mine who I've been treating since he's in middle school. And that was... Not only was it such a powerful thing to record, I think it was such a valuable thing I hope to put out into the world because schizophrenia is common. It's like 0.8% of everyone has schizophrenia. So that's, you know, almost 3 million people in the U.S. have this devastating illness. And yeah, I was just super proud of that episode. And again, not easy to listen to, but I think it highlights some of our best work. The other main dish... uh, I was very, very happy it was mentioned as one of the listener favorites, and that's the Doug Friedman episode from this mm-hmm. season, uh, the Aftermath of Suicide episode. And again, um the numbers, download numbers aren't as high as on some other episodes this season, but if you haven't listened to that, you have to listen to it. I remember when you called me, Chris, and said it was done, and I listened to the edit. I was literally I was pacing around my backyard just crying mm-hmm. listening to it. And I called you and I said, This is this is the most amazing episode. This like, this will live on, this will outlive us. I think mm. so. And then for dessert, we have to lighten it up because those are too really heavy. Right. So I think we go all the way back a couple years to, um, one of my personal favorite episodes, which is adventures and exposure therapy, where mm. I sit down with an OCD specialist, Dr. Amy Indermule, who's yeah. one of my favorite colleagues in Northern Colorado. And she's funny and smart and tells wacky stories. And she, she and I sort of do a nitty gritty what is it like to do exposure therapy with people. And, um,
1: and the cool part of that episode is that there was a first part of that also mm-hmm. where the client, the patient, was interviewed first, right? Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, first part was OCD in the time of Corona. Yeah. And then um, the second episode was Dr. Amy and I sort of deconstructing that woman's treatment and what happened. Yeah. Yeah.
1: I really like that the the pair of those episodes.
0: Yeah. yeah, yeah, me too. Thanks. And then you have another flight.
1: Well, mine um, is the heavier one that I mentioned the the one where I think you need to be in a in the right headspace. And one of them you touched on. I have where did our child go on mm. my list as well because I think the same thing. In fact. And you know, um, a lot of people probably who listen to this occasionally know that I'm I shy away from sad things. I don't. I that's those aren't the movies that I pick or the books that I read. But I I listened to that episode twice, aside from working on it. So I I've listened to that episode more than twice, really. Um, the other two on my list would be uh, All We Have Is Now which was the episode of the therapist who was suffering with her own health issues Mm -hmm. and how that played with her clients. I thought that was a fantastic and heartwarming, wrenching episode. And then I have Strawberries, our very first Mm. episode on the list, because I think that maybe for some sentimental reasons – I think the story was great. I think that it shows the origin of the show. I, you know, we were still learning, so it's it's not one of my personal best in terms of the part that I play in in all of this, but I think that it illustrates... Um, It's another truly back-from-the-abyss story, so I, I have that on my... I
0: know, episode. I love that episode so yeah. much. Those are some really really great episodes. It was actually a fun exercise to go back and all the episodes and try to think about which ones, again, not of the best ones, but like, you know, if someone said, hey, what's this podcast that you do?
1: Yeah, and when we've kind of talked about who are, uh, you've talked about this before on the podcast, and I think the user survey speaks to it is that we seem to have maybe three or four primary audiences. It's, it's folks who are interested in abyss stories of mental health, psychedelics as they pertain to mental health. I maintain that we have a, well, we definitely have the professional therapist audience. And then I maintain that there's a educator or student body out there also that uh, benefits from the podcast and listens to it with an ear towards their future work maybe mm-hmm. um is there any are there any episodes that you would recommend for either a s- student or perhaps a educator mm. that would help
0: in in their work yeah that's a great question i mean i've been thinking now for gosh last two or three years like it just seems like we are in the age of anxiety and i I think you and I have talked about this. When I think back about being in high school and college in the 80s, I don't remember anyone having anxiety. I mean, I'm sure it was around, but I knew people with eating disorders, but I don't, anxiety, and there's a lot of reasons why. I think we are in the age of anxiety, and so many adolescents I see, in college kids, and young adults, and parents, and teachers, but I really think particularly young people, it's just awful. It's an epidemic. And I do think one episode, that we've done at least is really relevant, and that's how to think about anxiety mm-hmm. from season one. And what I tried to do in that is just to put anxiety into a an easy to understand kind of metaphoric context, and then give some basic strategies about how to address it. So, if you haven't listened to that, you know whether you are a young person or a teacher or maybe a parent who has a kid with significant anxiety, you should listen to it and maybe pass it on. Great. transition to our main course all right um, just a little intro I, I think I alluded to this in the last two fishbowls but I think one of the things that makes this podcast so special is you know it is a partnership I mean it's it's my baby and that I'm the psychiatrist and that I find the guests and I am driving the boat but it's very important to know that my co-pilot Chris is an integral part of things He's be- opinionated <laughs> is very opinionated <laughs> Because I think uh, it's very tempting if you're running something, a company or a restaurant or a podcast, it's very tempting to have someone who's working with you sort of validate you and shine upon you and and just sort of blow happy smoke your way and more puppies and rainbows. And, and that's not what I need. And so from the very beginning, Chris, I've totally appreciated how incredibly, sometimes we'll say brutally honest, and I've asked for it, like you've... You, to your credit, you'll often say, and this has been true now all these three seasons. Do you want to know what I think? Do you do you want really want to know? I say yes, I want to know it all. So I really appreciate your honesty because so many of these episodes, both before and after, you and I have really long discussions. And I and I wanted to do our fishbowl today on the Saj episode again that we just reached uh, that we just released. Mm-hmm. And again, stop right now if you haven't listened to the psychosomatic therapy episode with sage one because it's very interesting and two because this following discussion will be much more interesting but anyway the, the context for this a week ago after it released you and i were on the phone right and you said hey I, I um i got a lot of questions and thoughts on this last episode and you started mentioning all sorts of really good questions and ponderings and musings And i said stop stop i said go go to your computer write those down let's do fishbowl on this because you know in a lot of ways this is such a uh, perfect example of what I think you and I do before and after these episodes is there's all, all the work that we do producing them, but then that we have a lot of back and forth of what about this and this, and you're you know, often, you know, very, uh, very accurately, sometimes painfully pointing out things that maybe I don't want to hear, but they're almost always right on. I would say, first of all,
1: I, I couldn't do that to just anybody. I've gotten in trouble in previous points in my life for being brutally honest. It's a, it's a quality that has its pros and cons. And I appreciate you letting me voice my concerns. I will say that I think, to, to your credit, the things that I see or hear are because I'm not as close to the subject matter. And I think I can listen in a way that it doesn't really make sense for you to be listening. So... Mm-hmm. Um, I'll just say, you know, I, I think that a lot of the things, and also it's because we both are love stories and podcasts and we're trying to go from being amateur podcasters to better podcasters Mm -hmm. or storytellers. So I think a lot of the discussions that we have are around, are we, have we been honest with the story? Are we editing in a way that makes sense? Are we leaving things out? Are we, you know, being as, I don't know, fair? Mm-hmm. Maybe fair is not the right word. Um, complete. Mm-hmm. You know, sometimes I think that we have to make decisions in order to take a, what's probably, well, I know for a fact, is a long, complex story that often occurs over many months and probably years and condense it down to under an hour. And that's difficult probably for the pros also so
0: mm-hmm. okay so why don't we launch into the psychosomatic therapy episode okay Again again a little pre-context we talked a lot about it in the making of it beforehand and then this was all discussion that started happening after and we do this with a lot of episodes too we what did we learn from it what should we have done could we have done it better or oftentimes i think you know you have the beginner's mind you, you don't work in mental health so you'll before right. and after, you come up with lots of questions of things I would, wouldn't would have necessarily thought of because you know I'm so deep in it.
1: Well, we did start this. This conversation did start before it was published because I, what, I think, do, should we just jump right in? Should yeah, I, let's just jump let's, right let's, in. Okay. Yeah. So I, um, the way that we typically work, if anyone's interested, is you'll do your interviews, um, which are a huge amount of work on their own that take... Hours and weeks to prepare, and then record, and then send me raw audio, and I turn it around, and you make some edits, and I make the cuts, and we go through that a couple times, and then when the story gets to a certain point, I usually divide it up and put in some breaks. In in this case, I had gotten the audio that you and Saj did, and as I do these days, is I put on my headphones and listen to the whole thing when I'm on a dog walk so that I can just get an impression of the story right away. And in this story, I was—I I remember I came back, I got home from the walk, I probably had 15 minutes left of the episode, and I called because I found it fascinating. Just incredibly interesting and powerful and... Just like I was getting a glimpse that that I would never get in any other way, but I said, "Okay, I have two questions for you," and they were: Did Natasha have and or Saj have prior knowledge to the trauma or the attack that was being discussed, or was it revealed, being revealed in real time? Was the first question. And the second question was, and I've said that now, I haven't listened to the last 15 minutes, but d- did it help? Did Natasha, was she healed or find solace in the uh, experience, any relief in, in that because of the process that she and Saj went through? And you said, I don't know. I can follow up on those questions. Those are good questions. As you often do, which is fantastic. I'll ask a question and it's never like, that doesn't matter. You you always are attentive to my questions. So I thought, okay, great. This is going to be good. But I also thought, and this is where sort of this whole, our discussion started to develop was, why didn't you think about those things during your time recording with Saj?
2: Mm-hmm.
1: To me, that was like, that's what just jumped out. Now, I think that that's just how we listen to things differently. Is, and, th- and so you said you'd check, and you did check. And then before long, you got back to me with the answers to the questions, which you explain in the conclusion of the podcast. But as it turns out, there was no attack, specifically. And and I know that both of us were under the impression that there was an attack. That was the, the way that the podcast, the way that your conversation had progressed was that both of you were under the impression that this was representing something very specific that had happened in Natasha's past. And when it was revealed that it there wasn't, to me, I felt that we were misleading potentially the audience because that that was omitted, that that fact was omitted. And so i, I that's sort of where we started this conversation, right? And mm-hmm. it and it brought up all kinds of interesting things from there on.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. <clears throat> yeah, that brings up so many interesting issues. So a little background. So when Saj and I first started talking about this, because Saj reached out to me and said, I have this amazing audio tape recording of a transference ketamine session during one of my therapist trainings. And he sent it to me and I listened to it and I thought, oh my gosh, that's that's crazy. And so, I, you know, I admit the first thing I thought, this will make really good audio, mm-hmm. really good audio. And I thought we'll be able to make something interesting and educational out of it.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: So, I yeah, I think my initial thought wasn't even about the... Details of what she was describing, just I thought I can't believe we have this on audio. This is so good. Right. And and then I think another thing that's uh gets lost somewhat in the recording. I mean, Saj does talk about this, I, I think, in the middle, but you know, we're hearing a few minutes of a ketamine session that went on, I think, for two hours. We're hearing like 17 minutes of it. And Natasha was on day four. Four, I believe, of doing uh, other kinds of work, mostly cannabis assisted therapy, but I think she'd had one other ketamine session prior. And um, this is a training uh, exercise, not necessarily a therapy exercise. So there, uh, and then there was a lot of integration and discussion that happened afterwards. But again, I think, and this is what you were mentioning a few minutes ago about the complexities of are we being honest? Are we telling stories in good faith? I think one of the challenges of this was in my mind, like, we have this amazing audio and let's build something around it. But you know, it was already, what, an hour, an hour and 20 minutes. Yeah. And I think it could, you know, it could have been five hours. And um, it's interesting. I had a very different reaction to you when I heard that it was a metaphoric reaction, not literal, that she had had a lot of abuse and terrorization by men but nobody had actually ever tried to strangle her at least that she could remember you know she seemed very uh, Natasha seemed very okay with that she's like yeah it came out as metaphor and we processed that in integration and um and I didn't even think much about it I thought oh yeah it it was a a metaphoric transfer and said you pointed out (laughs) that that could be a lot of different things could um could it have been that she made that you know her experience, you know, what's, what's kind of where you go back and you revise history, you know, in her integration, she's going back to kind of come up with an explanation that would describe what she experienced while under the influence of ketamine. And at one point, I think you were kind of joking, but you said she was high on ketamine. Maybe Scar- SARS just looked really scary when she well, was high on ketamine.
1: So one of my concerns that came out of all this is I thought, because I, you know, I didn't want to be overly critical. I wanted I, ca- I checked myself and thought about this from a bunch of different ways to, to just make sure that I wasn't overreacting. But, but one of the topics that came up on this was I haven't done psychedelics with therapy, but I have done psychedelics in my life. And I know for a fact that some of the physical effects of that are very similar to some of the things that Natasha was describing in her session her eyes were burning she was sinking into the couch her it was hard to breach she went from cold to hot those are all things that if anyone has had experience with psychedelics has probably experienced at some point during that time that's not to say that it wasn't something else but to, but to not acknowledge that especially in light of the fact that the that the attacker was not it was a metaphor. At the end, I just felt like there was some loose ends mm-hmm. that, um, and then I started to wonder: Is Craig too close to Saj? Is he is he too much of an admirer of his guest and his work to maybe see that or ask that? Does he care? Is he starting to care about? Um, our numbers, because we're able now to see that people, as we've mentioned already in this episode, like those, like the episodes that we talk about psychedelics and, and the good audio. And I agree. It was great audio. I called you before I was done with the episode because it was so powerful.
0: Well, I think, gosh, there's so many interesting points in what you just said. First thing that pops in my mind is, you know, I think I come at this podcast as primarily as a psychiatrist, as a clinician. Not as a researcher, not as a journalist, you know, because I think in journalism, the journalist has a different responsibility than, than a clinician does. And even though I have done research, I'm not doing research now. And so I think you're right. Like, if I had come at this as you know, this is back from the abyss, like we are a journalistic endeavor and we're really trying to go in with a skeptical mind about everything and just try to poke holes and stuff and see what's what, it would have been a different story. And I think you're right, it would have brought up one issue, and this relates to what you said, You know, when you're under the influence of psychedelics, you can have all these powerful somatic or body experiences. Uh, and I had mentioned to, this to you the other day. I've often wondered with my IV ketamine patients how much of their benefit is from active placebo. What do I mean by that? So we all know what the placebo effect is, but there's a very interesting phenomenon where people in general have more benefit from active placebos. And an active placebo is something that causes side effects. So, for example, when people do a sham surgery where they just cut you open and sew you back up, that tends to be much more, has a much bigger placebo effect than a sugar pill. A pill that causes a bad headache or bad GI upset tends to be much more effective than a sugar pill. It's because when we experience physical uh, symptoms, we associated, oh, this is powerful medicine. So I've often wondered with my IV ketamine patients, the ones who have really deep, powerful, fully dissociative K-hole experiences, You know, they'll say, oh, these, I hear all the time, these are the most powerfully therapeutic ones, which I believe is true for them, but is it powerfully therapeutic because there's something uh, crucial about full dissociation? Is it just because the dose is high and you're getting enough ketamine to the brain? Is it because they were so crazily high wiped out, you know, obliterated with ketamine that they thought, okay, this is powerful stuff.
1: Based on that, does it matter if people are getting better? As long as it's a safe thing, does it really, is my concern about, is it more of the psychedelic or the more, more of the thought of psychedelics or the transference that's happening on psychedelics or with psychedelics I'm not sure that it matters ultimately in terms of if it works and it's helping people making their lives better mm-hmm. I, I guess my concern is less about is it why is it happening and more about being completely upfront especially in a time where these medicines are not legal for the most part ketamine is um, MDMA not mushrooms, psilocybin, not yet, at least I don't think, right, we're not there Mm -hmm. yet. And in this sort of iffy time, I think being completely transparent is important in these stories. And, and what that includes, I'm not 100% sure, but leaving off that, that Potential that it is just the dose of drugs and it is maybe a placebo effect seems to be leaving out part of the story. Mm-hmm. And you're right, we're not journalists, and this is different than any story. You know, the more I thought about this too, is that this just isn't a story. You guys, to me, it almost sounded like you guys were doing science, like this was an experiment. And I know it was training. I don't know where the line is between training and you know experimenting. I don't know if results are documented. I don't know how they're quantified or if they're qualified for future use. I mean, there's a lot of this that just seemed, and maybe it's the ultimately it comes down to the length of the podcast and that we didn't have time to do everything. Mm
0: -hmm. Yeah. I think, gosh, there's so much in that, Um, you know, is, you know, are we doing science? I'm back from the best. Are we documenting science? Was, is Sarge doing science? I think, a lot of clinicians are furthering clinical knowledge and furthering science. But technically to be doing science, you need to have you know, you need to have an, a null hypothesis. You need to have a placebo group. You know, it would be Saj giving one person uh, ketamine lozenge and one a placebo and then doing some of these transference exercises that way. But again, ketamine is, is such a such a powerfully active material compared to a placebo that that's a difficult study to do much like you know in the mdma P- ptsd studies through maps you know they're comparing mdma to sugar pill which it doesn't feel <laughs> anything you know there's, right. there were some people that said maybe what maps should have done is compare mdma like with adderall because adderall has, mm. has a bit kind of a speedy it's a very active right and so then people maybe wouldn't necessarily know whether they got MDMA, if they got a little Adderall, whereas, uh, yeah, it 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 argues the you know, the difficulty of doing placebo controlled trials with powerful psychedelics. But you know, I think that would be interesting. Like, if we could make that last episode again, should we have gone back and said, you know, the the transference that's coming out with Natasha is that simply a ketamine intoxication effect? Is it? As Saj argued, um, the sort of un, uh, uncovering of primary consciousness and, you know, uh, and thus reality. Mm-hmm. Uh,
1: and also, I would say that because the end was glossed over, I think, a little bit, in my in my opinion, we didn't... You, I think that there could have been very interesting conversation with you and Saj that talked about, well... Is the fact that there wasn't really a, an attacker or a perpetrator, does it matter? We thought that there was. It sure sounded like it. But does, do these things manifest themselves in a way that it doesn't really matter? And that's, that is that—that is beside the point. It's, it's a key or an insight into uncovering other things that may have been, um, that have shown up as a perpetrator, like the family of origin issue, the mm-hmm. metaphor, um, those kind of things, the sort of mystery of all of this is was not fully dissected. And, and so then I'm, I was sort of left with, is this a story about psychedelics, ketamine? Because it's talked about, it's in the title, and yet most of the conversation was about transference and not the effects of the psychedelic medicine that was used. It was compelling radio, and on first listen, and probably for everyone who's listening, they may or may not have these same concerns. To me, it illustrated just how difficult some of this stuff really is.
0: Yeah. And I want to go back to the point of, am I sort of uh, not objective with Saj, because he's a good friend? Am I not, you know, am I too much of a fan of his to, to be objective? But I think actually... Again, that brings up a really important point. It reminds me of another dear friend of mine who's also an Enneagram Eight like you, mm-hmm. as you are. Yes. And my dear friend, who's a therapist and Enneagram Eight, he said, "Craig, you don't go hard enough on your guests." He's like, "You don't push people. You don't challenge them. You 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 take what they say with kind of support and love." He said, "But you're not going after people." And I said, "You're right because I'm not a journalist, and because pretty much everyone has come on this podcast, like." I am not objective about them. Like, let's just go back to Strawberries, episode one. You know, Elizabeth, I've worked with her for so long. I love her. I'm not objective about her at all. In fact, early, as when we first started this, I said, Chris, one of the things I need you to help me with is some objectivity with guests, because especially first season or two, those were mostly my patients. Mm-hmm. And and people I'm very, very close to. Like, they're like my children. <laughs> or like, I'm like a coach, and these are all my longtime athletes or I don't know it's there's different analogies but uh, and even the the experts I've had on are people that in general, I'm very close to and I'm, I admire deeply
1: and and I don't want to suggest that you should turn into to some pushy journalist who's trying to make people uncomfortable at all uh, that certainly is not what I'm saying um, because I think that that it part of what makes this podcast appealing to people is that you'd have a gentle nature and you let people speak and you don't butt in and interrupt them. So I I don't want to I don't I don't think it should be that. I get I think maybe also I'm going to take some responsibility for for how all this is coming across is that maybe I have, I'm a little oversensitive with everything that happens in the news right now about fake news or pushing agendas or not telling the whole story is that I don't want us to fall into the, I don't want us to ever fall into that category. So maybe I'm overly sensitive to what we're doing and equating it to something else in the, in some media world. I I don't know, but I, I couldn't help but coming away from that, this particular episode feeling like, I was misled a little bit.
0: Mm -hmm. And I think given who I am and what the podcast is and who you are, I think this dynamic will continue. And again, this is one of the reasons I wanted to record this for people to hear that, you know, as such an advocate for my patients, as someone who just admires the work of Saj and, and a lot of other people have been on the podcast that I, you know, there's a part of me that's like, yes, I want these people to come on and like, spread what they have to say. And and I think I agree we have a responsibility to do everything we can to make sure that it's accurate and helpful. Um because as I tell my storytellers, like I want this to be meaningful to you. I want you to love this. But you know, I also want it to be, you know, accurate and helpful. And you know, this podcast has turned out into a educational resource. I thought it was gonna be more of like a heart resource inspirational resource but it's, it's turning into educational resource which i think gives us more responsibility about what we say and i guess what I, I would try to reassure listeners is that at my core even though i'm very optimistic i'm also skeptical like i default towards hmm and i think part of that's my medical training i mean you definitely learn in med school and residency to be deeply skeptic, skeptical of all claims until proven true
1: I think that that's that's exactly what probably affected me is I am also very skeptical about things. And it's almost, I was thinking about this this morning before we came in to record the episode. I was thinking it's almost as if, and it's not a perfect analogy, but I'm a skeptic of ghosts, let's say. And I'm somewhere with two experts that have been researching ghosts for a long time, and I admire their work and respect them. And I'm listening to them measure all of the things that might indicate the presence of a ghost. And everything that they said is this sort of amazed acknowledgement that there's a ghost in the room and that they're seeing all of the signs and all of the – and the training is pointing them to be – to to actually have some sort of proof that there's a ghost that's in the room and me thinking all these for all this time i was skeptical but here it is there these guys are telling me these people are telling me that what i thought was not possible is possible and it's happening and then then the then the show ends the research ends and you find out later that well the reason the candle blew out was there was a window open or there was the temperature changed in the room or something. Now that's this is where it fails because those are that's a physical you can still explain why there wasn't something like that in in the in the business your business and in Saj's business in the business of the mind. Correct me if I'm wrong, but there's a lot of mystery that's still a lot of things that are not understood. And sometimes maybe I forget that. And this might've been one of those times where I thought, well, these guys obviously know exactly what's happening, but in reality, you didn't really Mm -mm. know what was happening. Mm -mm. Is that fair to say? I think
0: that is fair to say. I think uh, Saj would agree that there's, there's a ton of mystery and um, just ambiguity too. Like we, uh, we know, for example, that ketamine is helping a lot of people, but exactly how, mm, not clear. In ketamine-assisted psychotherapy, the insights that are developing, how much of those are because of the molecule itself or be, and or because of the fact that ketamine really alters you physically, spiritually, mentally, and that people think, whoa, I'm really ready to make some change here because I'm feeling... Right. Really loaded on this. I mean, it might be a little of both. Um, You know, I think it's important in my mind. You know, when I went back and talked to Natasha, I said, So, you know, I asked the question you asked her, was it therapeutic? And she said, It was very helpful. She said, I went to this training to learn about psychedelic somatic therapy. But in the course of doing these like six or seven sessions through the week, including the one we heard, she said, I started having a lot more memories of of how things were when I was little and how I would hide in the dryer for my dad because I was so scared of him and more dreams and re- memories came back of the, my boyfriend who used to terrorize me and stalk me. And she said, and and I've been able to work on those now and I'm continuing to work on those. She said, but I think I was, those were largely stuffed in kind of a dissociative fear. She said, I just had this fear for so long that I haven't been able to put words to it. So it's interesting. So yeah, the to me, the metaphoric, ending wasn't as big a letdown as, it, as i think it was for you because i think i see every day in this work that it's mysterious like what how it moves and how people get better and um i was actually glad to hear that no one was trying to choke natasha
1: well I, trust me i was too don't yeah i was not rooting for there to be some horrible traumatic event in her life I mean, no absolutely I not yeah i do i think that um the i will say this is and i we talked about this before we started recording here is that there were aspects in the discussion parts of the discussion that I found incredibly fascinating, regardless of all the things that we've been talking about i was not really uh i my understanding of transference was not what it is now. There were things that Saj introduced to me that I was—I've already been able to consider and maybe apply to my own life. I love the um, the the concept of this pr- prediction error and how healthy it can be, and um, what it means for somebody who is set in a in a negative way of thinking to have that to, to be able to break out of that and make their lives better. So there are little gems in the episodes that I take and think about and come back to very often. So,
2: Mm -hmm.
0: And again, I, I love this process, Chris, because it's one of the things that makes the podcast so interesting and meaningful. You know, so many podcasts are 27 or 28 minutes and at minute 26, they ask three books and at minute four, they ask, where did you grow up? And they're so formulaic and, And you can tell they're just dialing it in, even if if they have great guests and interesting hosts. Like, so many podcasts are so formulaic, and I think we are not at all. And I think we're both trying hard to, with each episode and each season, like, how can we make it better? And what do we need to be doing? And and so I think, listeners, I hope you can all hear this, that uh, this actually represents again not what or not just what we do with a lot of episodes but i think the reason that it's getting better i think season three is the best one yet and i think it's because of you know our ability to speak really honestly and openly with each other and listen and not take it personally um you know when i call you and ask you about an episode and there's a long pause long pause and you say well i'm sorry Craig. Do, you, do you do you want to hear what i think
1: i'm <laughs> sorry i don't do that all of the time i just want to be clear i think that is the role of a producer I'm, i no i'm happy for
0: it that's no i'm
1: and i want to say too just as we're sort of wrapping up here it sounds like that um i appreciate you know you, you say you appreciate my brutal honesty and, and i appreciate your optimism and your kindness because it it definitely has taken things that have been hard for me to understand or appreciate and made them accessible and um, you know, have them be part of who I'm, who I'm starting to become, you know, it's, it's an, it's, I love it. Yeah. I love it too. Living
0: and learning. Yeah. So this summer I'm going to be recording a bunch of more episodes. We're going to be on hiatus until the fall, but we have some really good stuff coming up. I'm going to be speaking twice in Denver this summer, July 8th at the International OCD Foundation Conference. Jul- July 8th, I'm speaking on a panel about the intersection of autistic spectrum disorder and OCD. And I'll be on that panel with one of my patients and her sister. That should be really fun. And then August 4th in Denver, I am the featured speaker for the NOAC Society, um, which is a psychedelic education society in Colorado. Uh, you can check their website for date or sorry, for time and place. I'm not sure what I'm going to talk about yet. I have some cool ideas, but check it out on NOAC this summer. And we have a lot of listeners in Denver, so anybody who listens, come and say hi. I'd love to meet you face-to-face. So we'll be back in a few months. Chris, thanks for all your hard work. You the man.
1: Likewise, you the man.
2: (laughs) Oh, I want to feel something I just want to breathe again Dive into the deepest end Oh, I want to feel something Let me get back in my body